Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. Open your Bibles again to Mark chapter 9. This is a passage that we dealt with last week, but I have, as I was preparing the message last week, I couldn't get past these verses, and and they kept coming back to me. And I went ahead and went on, I, I, I touched on these a little bit, but kind of focused more on the debate about the greatest last week. And as I was preparing the message this week, fully intending on moving on to the next section, it just kept coming back almost, not I want to say haunting, but echoing in my mind the fact that Jesus had told them for what is now the third time, uh, the second time here in Mark, but the third time overall, the second time to the whole group, they also Mount Transfiguration, Jesus had told them that he was going to die. That's, in fact, on Mount Transfiguration, that's what they were discussing um, on Mount Transfiguration with Moses and Elijah. They were talking about, Luke tells us, they were talking about the crucifixion. And so, therefore, um, really, it's a third time that they are hearing about this death and crucifixion of Jesus. And so therefore, I think it's important that we go back a little bit, and I'm going to bring you this message, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask, that I want you to see. Before I get started, before we read, I just do want to say I had a wonderful, wonderful, and I know I've heard many of you comment the same uh, vacation Bible school yesterday. Of course, if you are not part of that, that's what these decorations are for, is for Vacation Bible School. We had from raindrops to rainbows, and uh, so beautifully decorated. And, and so we've left those up so that you can see those this morning. Uh, but it was a wonderful time of ministry. I was sharing the Sunday school class about some of the connections that were made with some of those kids uh, that were here, and some of those I heard them talk about their teacher and how wonderful their teacher was, or how wonderful the uh, the storyteller was, or how wonderful the food was. What different things that they had said, the music and everything, and to watch them interact with the games and to watch them interact with the music as I was able to help and observe in those things was just a wonderful, wonderful uh, time. And uh, I, I know that we are a small church, and I know that, you know, we, I always say, Wait, man, I wish there would be more, but don't realize that every child is a soul and an opportunity that we were able to share the gospel with. You understand that, right? That was shared in the, in the lessons and the stories and the story about the cloud and, and, and about uh, the, 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 the voice of God or the Bible speaking there in that skit. It all was pointing. The fact that we were to share the true meaning of the rainbow, it was all there and they were able to learn. And children soak in far more than we can possibly imagine. So I just want to make mention of that as you get ready to read this passage again. But thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of this preacher's heart 
for all that had a hand, whether it be in decorating, whether it be in teaching, in ministering, in praying, inviting. Thank you so very much for that. Mark chapter 9. And beginning in just, the, just these few verses in verse 30 through 32. And before we read, hold up your Bible. Hold it up. This is the Word of God. I will read it. I will believe it. I will obey it by the grace of God. Let's read Mark 9, 30 through 32 again. And they departed thence and passed through Galilee, and he, being, the, being Jesus, would not that any man should know. So he didn't want anybody to know. They were kind of going through Galilee quietly is the idea there. For he taught his disciples. That tells us why they were going through quietly. Let me just stop right there for one second. This is after the healing of the demon-possessed child, the casting out of that demon. And now where they were at after Mount Transfiguration, there no longer could be any quiet time. There no longer could be any be alone with the disciples to teach them because the crowds would have heard that and been coming to see Jesus. And so they leave. And they're going quietly through Galilee back to Capernaum because people in that area, if they knew, certainly would have flocked to them. And Jesus wanted some time alone to teach his disciples. And he said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that saying, and were afraid to ask him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us today to understand that there is no reason to have fear when we know you. There's no reason to be afraid to ask you whatever we will. And, oh God, that we would see that you're trying to speak to us and that you have message for us and that you have instructions for us and you have things that you want to teach us and we won't understand all of them for various reasons that we're going to talk about today, but God, that when we don't understand, that we would ask you. And God, we live in a world where there is so much that we just don't truly, clearly understand. And God, that we would go running back to you for the answers and for your comfort and for your peace and for your instruction for us. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to see, don't be afraid to ask, and I want you to see a few things. i got three major points that I want to touch on this morning, and I want you to see, number one, what God is saying. And as I'm saying that, I just want to ask you this question, what is God saying to you today? What has God been saying to you or trying to say? I say trying to say, it's not that he has to try to say it, but he's trying to get us to hear it. So what is it that God is saying that he's trying to get us to pay attention to? Or more specifically, what is God saying to you that he's trying to get you to pay attention to, to learn from, to listen to today? Or in past days? Or in the days ahead? Do we think about that? Do we consider that? Are we listening 
for him to talk with us. As certainly he certainly wants to say things to us and to teach us things and to spend time with us just like he was doing with the disciples. They were so busy. They had so much to accomplish. They had so little time. Does that sound familiar? I hear people all the time say, I've got so much to do. I've got so little time. I've got all these different directions I go. I talk to my parents, and, and they're always about how they don't have time. And I'm like, well, you're retired. What don't you have time for? Well, i got to go to this doctor and that doctor. i got to do this thing and do that thing. And it seems that they're busier now than they were when I was growing up. And I know that may or may not be true, but it doesn't matter who you are, what age you are, where you are, there certainly is things going on. And so therefore, what is God saying to you? Are you taking time to consider that, to listen to that? We've talked about how God is speaking to you. If you're reading your Bible, he is speaking every time you open it up. And he's teaching you things every time you open it up. Every time you think of a verse, God is speaking to you. And God certainly speaks through his spirit as well. It will always echo or it will always resonate or it will always parallel what God has in his word. It will never stray or vary from that. But what is God saying to you? What is God trying to show you? What is God trying to show me? And if you say, well, nothing, well, then there's a problem. And if you say, well, I don't know, that's part of what this message is about, because they didn't know and they were afraid to ask. So what is it that God has been telling or showing you and me? What is it that we don't quite understand? And why is it that we're not asking? Why is it we're not seeking? I want you to see all those things in the short time that we're going to have this morning. And so uh, I want you to see what is it God is saying. I want you to see what it was he was saying to them. You see, I think we read this, and it's only these couple of verses here, and really it's only verse 31. It's saying that he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. And we say, well, that was just one verse. But if we understand that they're traveling, and the, what we often miss is the tense or the grammatically way it was said, the tense that it was said, and as they're traveling, he didn't just say it to them one time. He was teaching them as they were traveling by foot, through these towns, through the, through the, through the uh, barren wilderness, in some cases, between the villages, between the towns, and as they were going, so days that they're walking, hours that they're walking, he is teaching them this. And he's saying to them, and when we read this, we, of course, we say, well, I understand it because I'm looking back and I've been raised in church and because I grew up in Sunday school or because I, you know, I understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I understand that Jesus Christ was going to have to die on the cross. We look at it that way, but for them, they did not because it hadn't happened yet. And so, therefore, he's trying to pound into their head. He's trying to prepare them for what was going 
to happen. And he could not have been clearer in many ways. I want you to see this because we might say, well, he wasn't, he's kind of being vague. He wasn't being real clear. This is now the third time that he has told his disciples, second time the whole group, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. That's not dancing around the issue. That's not tiptoeing around the topic. He's straightforward teaching them this. In fact, here, I want you to see this. He says, the Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of men. The idea of being delivered, he's going to be handed over. It wasn't they're going to come and take me. It was I'm going to be delivered. And again, we look back and we say, well, he was betrayed by Judas. They didn't understand that part yet. That's why they didn't. it says they did not understand. But he's hinting at or telling them somebody's going to give me to them. To them being who? Being whoever it is, the religious leaders. They knew the religious leaders were opposing them and him. They knew the Romans would have been opposed to an uprising. And so therefore, he's telling them, clearly, somebody is going to hand me over to the authorities. And then he makes it very clear. He says, they shall kill. Look, look again at it. And they shall kill. The Son of Man, they know who the Son of Man is, by the way. We don't look at that and say, well, who is the Son of Man? That would have been confusing. No, he used that phrase often, and that they knew exactly who that meant. And they shall kill him, and after that he is killed. He says it twice. They're going to kill me, and after I'm killed. Now, after I'm killed, he says I'm going to rise again. But just hold on for a second to the fact that he's giving a double impact of they are going to kill me. I mean kill me. They're going to murder me. They're going to end my life. It could not have been any clearer. In fact, the fact that he says in the, in the original language, the fact the way he says it, and the fact that he says it twice, it was going to be a violent death. He's being clear with them. And then he's clear about the fact that on the third day, I'm going to rise again. I'm going to resurrect from the grave. My point in emphasizing all that is God was saying things clearly, plainly to them that they should have understood, but they did not. Why? That's what we want to talk about because, number two, what is he saying or what he is saying to us today? What he is saying to us, when I say today, I mean in our lives, whether it be the day, this very day, what he said yesterday, last year, and you say, well, that's last year. He may be repeating what he's been saying to you for a while and saying it again because you missed it, because you weren't listening to it. We're going to come to that in a minute, the reasons we miss it. But my point is this. There's things that he is saying to us, and there's things that he is trying to teach us, and there's things that he's trying to work out in us as he is perfecting us and therefore God didn't just stop talking to us he knocks on the door of our heart right and then we open up the door and if we're if we 
ask him to come in, he will come in and he will save us and we repent of sin and we invite him into our heart and he becomes Lord and master of our life and then he never ever leaves us because the Holy Spirit indwells us and he will never leave us nor forsake us and he's there always. But then where he was on the outside of the door knocking to come in, now it's sometimes he's on the inside of the door knocking on the walls and say, hey, listen, pounding the pulpit and saying, listen, trying to get your attention, been trying to teach you something, been trying to inform you of something, be trying to prepare you for something. And listen, I'm telling you there's things that he is saying to you and to me today. He has much he wants us to know. God didn't just stop after we got saved and say, okay, I'm not going to talk to you anymore until we get to heaven. Every day he has things that he wants us to hear. Every moment he can speak to us and we can speak to him. So what is it that God has for us to understand? What is he telling us today? Well, I'm just going to give you a couple things that are general that I know that he wants you to know today. I love you. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter what race you are, doesn't matter what age you are, doesn't matter what you've done, what you haven't done, doesn't matter what you think, doesn't matter how you sin, I love you. He wants you to know that today, no matter what it is you're thinking, no matter where it is you've been, no matter what condition you are in your spiritual walk or lack thereof, he wants you to know he loves you. And if you're not saved, he wants you to know that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, for you. And if you are saved, he wants to remind you, I love you so much, I sent my son for you. He wants you to know that I'll never leave you. I said that a moment ago. But he wants you today to know, listen, whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're afraid of, whatever the hurdle, whatever the dark cloud, we talked about that yesterday as far as the dark clouds and the rain and the sunshine, whatever it is, I'm right here with you. If you're saved, I'm right here with you. And if you're not, he's ready to come in and be with you. So therefore, listen, he wants you to understand he loves you. He loves you so much he sent his son to die on the cross for you. In your place, because you have to die and be separated from God forever, but he says, I want a relationship with you. I want fellowship with you. I love you so much, I'll send my son to die in your place so that you can be reunited, or mankind can be reunited with me, and that relationship can be restored that Adam had in the garden because I love you that much and I will never ever leave you the rest of your days and the rest of eternity I will never leave you because why? I love you. I want a relationship with you. I sent my son to die for you and I in your life have a purpose for you and by the way I have a purpose for you for all eternity. Listen, there's things that he wants you to know and those are things that I know he wants you to know today. There's things that he wants to teach you. And while there's general things that he wants us all to know, there's specific things that you need to know that he has for you. 
Peter had times where Jesus shared things just with him. John had times where he shared things just with John. Others in, in Jesus' ministry, in Jesus' life, that he shared things just with them. The women, Mary uh, at, at, the, at the tomb, he had a message just for her. He then said, now go back and tell them. But my point is this, doesn't matter man, woman, young or old, doesn't matter. He's got general things that he wants to tell you, but he also has specific things that he wants to tell you. He wants to teach you, and he wants you to know, listen, not only do I love you, not only did I send my son to die for you, not only can you be saved because I love you so much and I have a purpose for you and I'll never leave you, and I got so much more I want to teach you, but one day I'm coming back for you. And he wants to take time with us, just as he did the disciples. And I think one of the keys to understanding what he's saying is that we unplug and we take time for him, to talk to him, to hear from him, just to focus in on him. And that's part of what we do in church as far as worshiping him and hopefully we're unplugging and we're hearing a message that God would have us to hear. But it doesn't have to be just in church. It doesn't have to be just in a small group or a Sunday school class. It doesn't have to be just even in your own personal devotion, Bible reading, prayer time. If you're doing that, and I pray that you are, but anytime, in any place, he can take time and wants to take time with you. But I want you to understand there's things that, there's reasons why we don't understand. Now, in saying this, I want you to understand, first of all, there's things that we ought to understand. Ought to understand. I read this, and we look at this, and we say, well, they ought to have understood that, and I think it's clear that he wanted them to understand it. He wanted them to be prepared for it. But they were not understanding. But he had told them multiple times, and along the way, before he gets to the end, several more times he says, this is what's going to happen. So there's things that we ought to clearly understand. The way of salvation. We ought to clearly, I pray that there's nobody listening to my voice, I pray there's nobody in this room that has any question whatsoever about how to be saved. And if you do, ask. But, we'll come to that in a minute. My point is this. We ought to understand that clearly by now. Or you can understand it clearly. That there is one way to salvation. There is one way to eternal life with God. There is one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ and the price that he paid for you. The blood that was shed for you, the blood that was applied on your account for you if you've repented and turned to him. So there's things that we ought to understand. We ought to understand that we have a purpose. We understand we have a calling, the great commission. We ought to understand that if we're saved, that's what we are to be about, is reaching out to all people, teaching them how to be saved, and then what to do once they're saved. And then also just glorifying God. That's a general purpose that we ought to clearly understand. God made us for fellowship. God made us to glorify Him. God made us to serve Him. That's a general thing. 
We ought to clearly understand the character of God. And by that, I, I, I mean that He is loving, He is faithful, He is gracious, He is all-powerful, He is, has a righteous nature, He has a perfect nature. We may not yet completely understand that, but we ought to understand those basic core principles. And again, He's teaching us all along the way more and more about who He is and His character and His nature. But there are things that we ought to clearly understand. If we're reading the Word of God, if we're trying, there's things that we say, I've got no question about that whatsoever. Jesus was born of a virgin. I don't understand it, but that's what the Bible says. I believe it. Jesus Christ is God in, in man's form, came born as a child. Why he did it that way, I don't understand. I, I, don't, I don't comprehend why, but I understand that he did. The Messiah. God created the heavens and the earth. I don't quite understand how he did it. Yes, I know he spoke it into existence, but how God could do that, and I don't understand every bit of that. That's okay, but I believe that he did. I can clearly understand that he did it. But there's also things that we don't yet understand. Now, I hope the things that I just went over, I hope you understand those, but there's things that we don't yet understand, right? There's things that God says, I'm not going to show you the answer to that yet. There's things in God's Word, there, and there's not that many areas when we really talk about it, but there's certain things that as a preacher or as a Christian, as Christians in general, we may differ on a little bit because it's not perfectly clear. We don't understand it yet. And I'll just give the example of end times events, how exactly that's going to play out. And we obviously, I'm going to come back to this in a minute, we don't and we won't understand when he's coming, no man knows, not even Jesus Christ, but only God the Father, but the fact that we don't understand the order. We, we, we generally think we understand as far as there's a rapture and there's a tribulation, but when we read Revelation, we can't understand exactly how it's all going to play out. What is the great de de uh, delusion that God is going to allow us to believe when the rapture takes place? We don't understand that now, yet. When we go through difficulties, uh, had a, a, uh, some friends of ours, by the way, um, I can't remember the young man's name that, that, that lost his life, lost his battle to drug addiction, uh, had an overdose and died just the other day, and I saw some friends post about it, some friends of ours post about it. And then I saw where Kylie, you remember Kylie, Charles Merck, that uh, lives up the road here and came here for a while. His granddaughter posted about, had a picture of the two of them together. I was like, well, how do they know each other? Come to find out that Charles and Debbie Merck are the maternal grandparents of this boy that died and why he had the addiction. I mean, I understand sin and I understand the temptations and the devil and, and all that, but going through something like that, we don't always understand how's God going to work that out for good. How's God going to use that in my life to work it out for good as He's promised? I don't understand all that yet. And there's some things that we won't understand yet, and there's some things that we won't ever understand here in this life. There's some things that we may yet understand. For example, I go through a hardship and I'm like, why am I going through this now? Or why is God steering me this way? Why is God steering this person over here to this? And then we get down the road a little way and we say, oh, okay. 
I, I think I've shared with you, and I'm going to take time to do it very quickly. And that I had, I had a dear friend that I grew up with. Um, and he was killed in a car wreck. 28, 29 years old. Killed in a car wreck. Head-on collision. Had three young children, a young wife. I was like, God, why did you take him in the car wreck like that? And again, I don't know why God decided to take him at that point in time. That was God's time for him to come home. But what they found out later was that his body was eaten up with cancer, but he didn't know it. When they did the autopsy, they found out that he was eaten up with cancer. And if he had not been killed in that car wreck, that head-on collision by a drunk driver that came across the lane and hit him, that he would have died a horrible death with cancer. You say, well, why do you have to have cancer? I don't understand that, may not understand that yet, may not ever understand that till I get to heaven, but I did get a better glimpse of why God took him that way in grace as opposed to allowing him to live out that battle with cancer. And you say, well, then why does he let people live out a battle with cancer? I don't know. I don't know it yet. I may not ever understand it. But here's the thing. The things that we don't yet understand or the things that we're never, and let me just say it this way, things that we don't yet understand that ought to drive us to the Father and drive us to our knees in prayer and call out to Him and say, God, why? And God, I don't understand. And that's what we're going to get to in just a moment. But before I do that, let me just say this. There's some things that we will never understand in this life. Never understand this life. And when we get to heaven, I think if we want to understand, we'll understand. But I also believe that we may not want to understand because it no longer matters. I, again, I've, I've referenced this before, but I'll reference it again as far as, you know, I think I have questions that I want to ask, you know, Adam and Eve, or questions that I want to ask Job, or questions I want to ask Peter, or questions that I want to ask David, or questions that I want to ask Paul, or maybe just ask God. You know, we joke about it, but you know, why fire ants? Why gnats? You know, what's the deal with kidney stones? I mean, all these things that I think that I might want to ask God when I get to heaven, but then when I realize when I get to heaven, I think all those things will be answered. I won't have to go ask anybody, but I also think I'm probably not going to care. Because I'm going to be in perfection with no more kidney stones and no more gnats and no more uh, mosquitoes and no more fire ants and no more thorns and thistles and no more pain and sorrow and no more sin and no more struggle and no more depression and no more anxiety, no more any of those things. Just going to be with Jesus. Just going to be with the Father. Just going to be in perfection, walking on streets of gold, walking in glory, just enjoying time with him and all that he has for you and for me. And we may not care when we get there, but there may be some things that we'll never understand this life, but he'll say, this is why. But for the things that we can understand now, or the things that we might understand later, why don't we ask? Why don't we ask? And, and, and again, it's a thing, and I'm just going to be honest with you, and I've said this before, and I don't claim to have all the answers. But there's things that I'm reading in the Word of God, and I hope that you're reading in the Word of God, and they don't make any sense to me, or they, make, they, they really confuse me. Why don't we ask? God, I read this. 
God, you said this. This doesn't seem to be working out in my life. Why? Why don't we ask? When we come across troubles and trials, when we come across... By the way, we, never, we don't typically ask when we come across the good things and the blessings. Why did I get that? Why, did it, why was I favored to receive that blessing? We don't often get that. It's usually the things that we don't like that we sometimes might say, well, I don't know why God did that. Right? If, if uh, God were... I don't play the lottery. I'm not advocating anybody play the lottery. Uh, I'm simply saying this, that if I ever won the lottery, if a person ever won the lottery, we don't ask God, God, why did you let me win the lottery? But if we lose, or we lose our investment in stock market, God, why are you letting me go through this? But why don't we ask? I think that we, like the disciples, that we can learn here from the disciples, the reason we don't ask is because we're too busy to know. They had, listen, they were too busy. Sometimes we're just not careful to listen. That's why Jesus had to say it to them more than one time. They weren't getting it. They were missing it. They were ignorant of it. It wasn't making sense to them, but they still didn't ask, and sometimes we're just too busy, and God has to repeat himself. People say, well, why is God making me go through this over and over and over again? Why am I seeming to have to learn the same lesson over and over again? Because maybe we're not getting the lesson the first time. That may not be it. It may be some other reason, but many times I think it's because we're just not getting it, or we need to learn it again. Bible talks about how we need to be constantly reminded because people are easy to forget. Something I'm learning more and more the older and older I get is the fact that how easy it is to forget something. But we're just too busy. We're distracted with the things of life. We don't prioritize that what God is telling me is the most important thing I can hear. Oh, we can remember the thing that happened in the TV show. We can remember the sports score. We can remember what that person did that made us mad and cut us off in traffic or whatever it might have been and offended us in some way. But we are too busy to pay attention to what God says and prioritize. Why? I think because sometimes we just don't care to know. Why don't we ask? Because I don't want to know. If I go back, maybe it's a little bit of both on this one, but the disciples themselves were too busy and didn't care and were distracted. That's why they weren't getting it. Now, a part of it is, if you go over in Luke, it says that they were that it was hidden from them. And so I think it was that God didn't want them to completely understand it right then, that moment. But yet at the same time, he's telling them over and over and over again. He's letting them in a little bit at a time and opening up their eyes a little bit at a time so they're not just completely shocked when they get there. But they still didn't get it because when they got there, it says that when they went to the tomb, they didn't yet understand that Jesus was going to have to raise from the dead.
But we don't care to know why. The disciples didn't care to know. They didn't ask. Jesus had said it now the second, in fact, the third time, and yet they're not asking. It says because they're afraid. I'll come back to that in a moment. But I want you to understand they were afraid to ask because they got other things on their mind. And so are you and me. We get so much on our mind and so many other things that are going on that we don't prioritize and we don't really care to know. Why? Because we have our own plans. We have our own agenda. The disciples had their own agenda. They weren't interested in what Jesus was teaching them in that moment because they wanted to argue about which one of them was the greatest. That's what we talked about last week. And because their mind was so fixed on, hey, this argument of who's the greatest, that they missed what Jesus was saying. It's a well-known pattern that when people get into an argument or a discussion, they aren't listening to the other person's side of the argument. They're more focused on what they're going to say next to make their argument. We have our own agenda, and so sometimes we get into fights and bickerings, and sometimes we then find out, wait a minute, we're, we're kind of like on the same side here then. But we just weren't listening to each other because we're more interested in getting across our points. They didn't care to know because they had their own agenda. They had their own priorities. It didn't match their preconceived ideas. And sometimes what God is saying to us doesn't match our preconceived ideas. I'm not trying to embarrass him, but I I, I love to to think about this, that Landon had this preconceived idea of what he wanted to do in life. He didn't know maybe perhaps every detail of it, but something to do in sports medicine, physical therapy. That's what he wanted to do. For the last several years, that's all we heard. And then he got off to college, and then God began to speak, or he began to listen. And God was calling him into ministry, music ministry. And to Lanin's credit, he listened, and he heard clearly. I got time to tell this story, Lanin? I do. All right. God wants us to know things clearly. He really does. Landon came back and told his mother and I, this is what God's calling me. And I was thrilled. I've never pushed my kids into like a full-time vocational ministry because I know unless God calls them, it ain't going to work. I've always encouraged them, just listen to God. Whatever God wants you to do, serve God in every aspect of your life. But if he's calling you to ministry, fantastic. But just do You'll be happy if you do what he calls you to do. And Landon came back and he told us, I'm going to transfer to Anderson University and go to the School of Music because God's calling me in to be a music minister. And he's so talented. And I said, well, I, man, you got the talent, but how are we going to do that? Are you sure that's what God's saying to you about going to Anderson? Because we went and checked it out, and it was $34,000 a year just in tuition. And so this is what God's called me to do. And we began to work on it, and he began to work on it. And we went over, we had meetings, and he had auditions, and different things that he did to get into the, the music school. And then as part of that, we figured out, okay, we got it down to, to uh, I can't remember, I think it was $15,000 a year. And then we got it down to uh, $12,000, or $13,000 a year it was. And then he auditioned, and part of the auditioning to get in, they also gave scholarships. 
And then they called and they said, okay, we're going to give you this $5,000. The most we've given any male student this year, $5,000 for you to come to school here. And so we're down to $8,000. And then he got another scholarship. The guy said, how much money do you owe for school this year? And he said, well, I'm down to about $8,000. And he said, well, don't worry about it. We're covering it for you. You're going for free. Isn't that wonderful? My point is this. God wants you to know things clearly. And his mother and I, and I know he, I, he probably was convinced the whole time. I'm, I'm sure he was. But his mother and I, who are looking at the numbers, going, how in the world? And it's not that we didn't say, God, if you want to do it, you can do it. We say, God, you're going to have to do it because he don't got it and we don't got it. And there's, we don't want him going into debt, massive debt for school. And God said, I'll make it clear to you, I've got this. a year to God is nothing. Oh, it's massive to us. My point is God wants you to know things, but sometimes we're not listening because we've got our own agenda. We don't care, and sometimes it's because we're just afraid to know what it might be. The disciples had their own agenda. Not only were they discussing as far as who was the greatest, but also they had this agenda of Jesus was going to set up his kingdom now. And Jesus was going to start an army and revolt now. And that was never Jesus' intention. That was never the Messiah. But the Jews had been taught for all their lives that when the Messiah comes, he's going to throw off the shackles of the oppressors and he's going to set up his kingdom and Israel's going to be returned to prominence and he's, the, 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 the line of David will never end. And that's not what he did. And they didn't ask in part because they were afraid to find out different than their agenda. They're afraid to find out what that might really mean. And sometimes we're afraid to ask God when we don't understand and there are certain things that God's trying to tell us and we're afraid to ask because we don't know. He might be calling us to a mission field. He might be calling us to a ministry. He might be calling us to work in vacation Bible school. He might be calling us to teach a Sunday school class. He might be calling us to move to another part of the country or another part of the world. And we've got our own plans and our own agenda and our own arrogance and we think we've got it figured out and God, we don't want to ask God because it seems God may be doing something, but I don't want to know because I might not like it. It might be scary. It might be confusing. It might be bothering me. The disciples didn't ask. Or we're afraid because God somehow might smack us down if we, what do you mean, God? Can you understand this? God is so big, it does not bother God when you say, God, can you clarify? God, what are you, how are you going to do that? God, how are we going to work that out? God, how are you going to accomplish this? God, I don't understand. You see, the disciples might have been a little bit afraid because the first time he had said it, Peter had opened his mouth and said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Because we might be a little afraid of what God's response to our curiosity and questions and confusion and doubt might be. 
But if we understand the God who sent his son to die for us, the God who sent his son to live and be an example for us, the God who has done everything for us good that has ever been done good for us in the history of all time, when we understand that he's all powerful and all loving and all caring and wants a relationship with us and wants the best for us, then everything that he has to tell us, there's no reason to be afraid and there's no reason to be afraid to ask. Oh, my friends, in your life, I pray that you would not be afraid. Yes, that we would be listening. Yes, that we would understand everything that we can understand and that we would be okay with the fact that we, God, you don't, I'm asking you, God, I'm asking you, God, I'm asking you, God, but if it's not your time for me to understand it yet, I'm okay with that too. God, help me to be okay with that too. God, I may never understand why I had to lose a child, why I had to lose a brother, why I had to lose this friend, why I had to lose a spouse, why this thing had to happen, why this struggle, why this disease, why this ailment, why this trouble. But God may never understand it, but I'm okay with it because I know you love me. And I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid to ask. I don't have to be afraid of what you'll say. Oh, my friends, what God has for you, what he is telling you, what he wants you to know is the greatest thing you could ever know. And if you've never been saved, then the greatest knowledge you could ever have is the fact that he wants you to be saved. He died so that you can be saved. He came to pay your price so that you can be saved and have a relationship, a fellowship with him. And if you're here and you're saved, you're listening and you're saved, oh, my friends, the things that he wants to teach you, the things that he wants you to know is so grander and so greater than you could ever imagine. Won't we just learn not to be afraid and learn to ask? There's so much I don't understand. There's so much that I don't yet know. I want to learn to ask. Ask. And he's either going to say to me, here's the answer, or he's going to say, I'm going to show you later on, or he's going to say, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, our great God has the answer for you and for me. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us today to not be afraid to ask God that we would be listening to what you're trying to say to what you're trying to tell us, to what you have for us for today and for tomorrow and for the rest of our lives, that we would listen. But God, when there's things that we just don't understand, that we would turn to you and make it a priority to find out. God, that we would understand your love to the point that we would not be afraid to ask. Help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. 
If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.